I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Warriors Off Court, the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by Chronicle sports writer Rusty Simmons and the host of the popular Warriors Huddle podcast, Bram Hillsman. During our conversation, we broke down Andrew Wiggins' evolution in Golden State system and offered our New Year's resolutions for the Warriors. This is an exciting episode of Warriors Huddle because we have two of my, my favorite guests on today. Rusty Simmons, my predecessor on the Warriors beat at the San Francisco Chronicle, and Bram Hillsman, uh, the host of the popular, emphasis on popular, Warriors Huddle podcast, and a good friend of mine. Um, thank you guys so much for joining me today. Yeah, good stuff. Thanks for having us, Connor. Yeah, I, I was told I was going to get top billing. I'm not sure why Rusty's name was said first, so I'm a little bit upset about that. But I really appreciate you having us in. And I think we have to put it on the table just right up front so that the audience can be worried along with me. Rusty is joining us. He's also joining us via Zoom and video while driving. He is driving across the Bay Bridge right now with a video camera on him. So if we hear some terrible crash noise, it's because he is fiery death and is risking his life to provide us i'm pretty sure rusty's in the passenger seat um but you know we can for for the state for the purposes of more drama on the pod we can just say you're driving rusty people are definitely people are definitely going to listen longer if we tell them that there's a chance for just an all-out wreck at some point during this (laughs) um So basically, guys, uh, we're, we're talking on, a, on Wednesday morning. Uh, yesterday was the Detroit game. The Warriors had a nice bounce back on that road trip. Obviously, started, started the road trip with two absolute embarrassments in Brooklyn and Milwaukee against two potential title contenders. Lost those games by a combined 65 points. Um, then bounced back one in Chicago, one in Detroit. The, both of those teams are not very good. But, hey, right now, I think, given the state of things with Clay out and Draymond out, the Warriors are just happy to win games. And uh, they were able to come back in both of those games from double-digit deficits and pull out, pull out the victory. Um, Andrew Wiggins played much better after two rough games to start the season. Um, when you guys were watching that fourth quarter yesterday, assuming you watched the game because you guys are diligent, I know, I know Rusty was because Rusty wrote off it, but – when you guys were watching that that game and you saw Andrew Wiggins going off in the fourth with Steph sitting out, um, he had 17 points in that fourth quarter to will the Warriors to a 15 and 15 to four run. Had 11 points uh, in that in that run, including three three pointers. What was going through your mind? Like, were, was it shock? Was it like finally? What 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 were your thoughts? Yeah, it, exactly. That was finally. Um, this is what the Warriors need from him. Uh, I think one of the biggest questions for this year is how that second unit handles the first six minutes of the second quarter and the first six minutes of the fourth quarter. And um, 
as everybody has said and, and known since he was the number one overall pick, Andrew Wiggins certainly has the ability to do that, to dominate half a quarter. Um, he can get to the rim whenever he wants to. And uh, it's just a matter of does he want to. So it was nice to see that, that for an evening he did. Um, now the Warriors will immediately say, okay, now do that every game. I got the feeling, so I, I agree with Rusty, and my aha moment, oh, my God, it's finally happening, started before the fourth. I mean, in the first quarter, he was more aggressive. He had a dunk attempt that didn't go in, but that just screamed athleticism. He was aggressive throughout the night. And so what was I thinking? I was thinking, finally, you know, we the, the thing that's been really unfair to Wiggins, um, and we've talked about this a little bit off mic, but – the reason why we were all excited for his season this year is he finally had a year where we didn't have expectations. He wasn't the main guy. He, he wasn't seen as the number one pick who was going to save a franchise. He was going to be the number three option, a, a bonus on the side. Then Clay goes down. Everything changes. He has all these expectations again, was a little tight through two games. And then what we saw finally last night is him embracing the challenge and using his athleticism to his advantage. So I you know I I get the feeling listening to Minnesota fans that this happened a few times in his other franchise too that he would stoke the fire you'd get fired up and then it would disappear. So I'm hoping it's here to say. But you know last night yeah man I was fired up. Yeah, and I think I think Steve deserves a lot of credit. I think you know he he saw what went wrong in the first two games and he made some much needed adjustments and a, a couple of them directly dealt with. Wiggins you know the big thing that Steve did was he he basically put Wiggins in more positions to facilitate um and if you remember in Minnesota that's that's what he was all about you know he had the ball in his hands a lot and you know I know that had mixed results but he definitely put up a lot of points in Minnesota even if it wasn't always super efficient and um so he he put Wiggins in positions where he'd spread the floor and then call high screens by either Looney or Wiseman. And then uh, Wiggins would come down downhill and draw draw defenders into the paint and then kick out to open shooters. And so you saw his assist numbers go up and then also got his offense going a bit. Um, and he knocked down a few big threes yesterday, which I think is incredibly important. Um, this is a guy who's a 33% three-point shooter in his career, which isn't awful, but you know, I think given the, the offensive responsibilities he's going to have this season, the Warriors need him more in that like 35, 36% range, and, which is more toward the league average. And so um, that might not sound like a lot, but it, it actually is when you're talking about the volume of shots he's getting up. So I just thought overall, you're learning a lot about the evolution of, of Wiggins' role in the system. Because to me, it's been fascinating to watch, and I'm sure you guys agree, like this guy was brought in to basically be a better version of Harrison Barnes, where he was just going to be an off ball cutter who could make the simple pass, knock down the open jumper, play hard on defense. And now he is asked to be, he's being asked with clay out to be a legitimate number two option to Steph Curry, um, the leader and playmaker of the second unit. And Oh, by the way, a lockdown perimeter defender who's guarding the best scorer on the opponent, the, the, opposing team every single game like it's he's had a lot to navigate yeah and I think that's why you made such a good point there Connor about saying that Kerr has adjusted to that as well because as he's still going to have to do 
all of these things that maybe weren't expected from him until Clay went down. Um, and so Kerr, seeing that he would have all these extra responsibilities, simplified things and got him into a, um, a situation that, that he's more comfortable with. When he's coming off high screens with the ball in his hand and, and gets to go downhill, um, he's got a chance to, to really impact the game, scoring for himself or creating for others. I think it's weird, Rusty, that you didn't say I also had a good point. In fact, I think it's a little bit rude because my point was definitely good. But I will agree with both of you guys. And I think what you're highlighting, and it's a, it's a perfect specific example, is we have to be patient, at least when I say we as fans, of this Golden State Warriors basketball team. You know, that those first two games were against contenders. They looked completely out of sorts. And one of the cool things about basketball is that the more you play with one another, the more chance the talent has to acclimate, the better they'll look on the floor. And that's not just for the players. The, the coaches need a chance to get a sense of how to put these guys in a position to win. And after two very frustrating games, we saw some adjustments that led to wins. So, you know, who knows where it goes from here, um, but there's reasons for optimism. Yeah, so <laughs> I thought it'd be fun to spend the bulk of this podcast talking about New Year's resolutions. Now, I don't know about you guys. I'm not personally a guy who loves New Year's resolutions. Um, I feel like it's one of those things where every single year people are like, oh, I'm going to work out every single day. And then a week goes by and then suddenly they're never working out ever again. It just feels like something that you, 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 you do or say at the start of the year just to feel good about yourself, but no one actually sticks with it. So um, I'm, I, I'm trying this year to like uh, be a little bit more, a little bit easier on myself instead of having like a specific New Year's re resolution. I'm just trying to like maintain habits that I've, that I've tried to develop during quarantine, like positive life habits. How do you guys feel about? I'm always kind so of pomp pompous about them. Um, here's what I mean. So I never really follow them, but what I'll try to do is come up with something really profound that makes me sound like I'm smart. Last year, for example, my big new year's resolution was quote unquote, choose happiness that I do all these things. I have this opportunity to be stressed or happy and I always choose to be stressed. So anyone who would listen, I, you know, I gave them this big long explanation of like why it'd be so much better for all of us just to choose happiness. And if I'm being honest yeah. with you boys, I don't think I was trying to like actually have a resolution. I was just trying to sound smart. So that's how I use these things. I haven't come up with one yet. I, I still have another day, you know, so I don't have uh, I don't have the all intelligent New Year's resolution for this year, but maybe by the end of the podcast, I'll, I'll come up with something. I love that. That's a super honest answer. I don't even try to be smart. I, I know I can't fool people anymore. So um, years and years ago, uh, I didn't have a notebook item during a, a game. So like pregame, I started asking all the players and coaches for their what, whatever they were going to try to do in the new year. And uh, Coach Smart said, man, if I wanted to change something in my life, um, I would have done it yesterday or last week or last month. And that always kind of stuck with me. Like, why do I need uh, a certain day to change something in my life? Um, but this year I'm going to steal uh, what Stephen Curry said. He, he said last week that he kind of has a non-negotiable with himself that this, this season, this year, he's not going to complain about anything. Like nothing's going right. We're all having to re relentlessly adapt. And what he's decided, he's just not going to allow himself to complain. Um, and I like that. I think that's that's something that um, obviously we're probably not going to be 100 percent on it. But but if, that, if that's the goal, I think you're on the right path. Rusty, I, I, that leads to a question. 
question I, I meant to ask you earlier. You had a chance, I mean, you watched this team forever. You watched them during the dark times as well under Cohen, and then certainly you watched them last year. When you compare how the team lost under Cohen, just the environment, what they did with those losses as they piled up, and then how they dealt with it last year. And I mean, obviously there were some injuries. Are there glaring differences? You know, we, we keep giving Golden State credit for having this incredible culture. Last year, did you see any of that culture infiltrate even though they were losing, if that makes any sense? Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it was drastically different last year um, because even when they didn't have the talent and didn't have the experience, didn't have the sheer numbers because there were so many injuries, they still fought last year. Um, it wasn't a pretty product, but they fought. And I even noticed it this year on the road trip. They, they go to Brooklyn and Milwaukee and lose by a combined 65 points. And under the old regime, in a Cohen era, um, the, the culture would have quit on that road trip. And they would have come back 1-3 or 0-4 oh against two terrible teams that were on this back end of back-to-backs. Instead, yep. this this year's Warriors went ahead and took care of business and won two games and came back 500, which is what you're supposed to do on a road trip. We'll have more of my conversation with Rusty Simmons and Bram Hillsman right after the break. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I, I thought it'd be fun to specifically like figure out what we think the Warriors New Year's resolution should be. And we can be all over the board here. We can be serious. We can not be... Bram, I'm going to start with you because I have a feeling that you have some ideas here. Um, sure. what, do you, what do you think the Warriors' number one New Year's resolution entering this January 1st game against Portland and the start of the seven-game homestand should be? I'm going to make it player-specific, and we've already kind of hinted around it. This is for Andrew Wiggins, and I'm going to use an old movie that I hope you boys have seen. Um, the movie is Swingers. It's an old comedy. I loved it. It's uh, the basically creation of Vince Vaughn and John Favreau's career. And Vince Vaughn plays this kind of ladies man and Favreau plays this guy who's afraid of somebody. And there's a scene where Vince Vaughn sits John Favreau down and says, you just need to realize who you are. You keep asking me how to hit on a woman. You are a bear asking me how to kill a rabbit. Just recognize you have these huge claws and get out there and do it. Here's the connection. I'd like to sit down with Andrew Wiggins and as his New Year's resolution, tell him, fucking bear, realize who you are. You are sitting in Dominique Wilkins' body. You are an athlete in a way that, that NBA players wish that they could achieve. So own that, wish that, start going to the rack with the kind of power that only you can do. So my first resolution is for Wiggins, and it is know who you are, accept who you are, take advantage of who you are. I like that. I like that. You're 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 already getting so deep on the pod, man. I appreciate it. <laughs> I'm coming in with passion. I'm, I'm, it's just because I was so worried about Rusty's life uh, early on here that I've, I've it's just sharpened all my takes to uh, to, to a pin. 
I missed the chance to compliment Bram earlier, so I'll do it now. Oh, that was awesome, thanks, man. man. Yeah, I, I, that, I, I actually understood what you were talking. Sometimes your analogies <laughs> kind of lead me off the road. Per wait, se, wait, but- I, oh, I, I got what you're doing. I got what you're doing there, but that's weird that yeah. you would say that in the middle of a compliment. <laughs> I mean, just finish out the compliment, man. You know yeah, what I mean? Was, like, I'm, I'm over here analogy. taping this part. Yeah, thanks. It was, thank you. It was so good that I'm going to continue it. So What's they that? have more. They have more than just one bear with these huge claws. Um, they have another one who's kind of a little cub bear, but has big claws and uh, that's James Wiseman. And so I think that they did it last game and I think they should do it more often. I think they should start every single game with Stephen Curry, James Wiseman, pick and roll and run it and run it and run it until somebody stops it. Absolutely. (laughs) I think we're all kind of building off each other. I'm going to build off you, Rusty. Mine's for Steve Kerr. I think, I think Steve needs to, basically understand and make make sure that the number one priority this season is James Wiseman's personal growth um, because that and that is to me the, the most important thing that's going to come out of this season because the reality is this is a team that could could make the playoffs maybe as an eight eight seed maybe a seven seed um, something like that but uh, does it really matter that much if you're like barely over 500 and you barely get into the playoffs and you lose in the first round, like in the grand scheme of things, how important really is that? What matters much more is the evolution of James Wiseman and can this guy become a legitimate bona fide franchise center sooner than a lot of people expected? Because entering the season, I and my, myself and many others said that, this guy has a chance to be, you know, a perennial all-star talent, but it's going to probably be a while. And hopefully he can start to scratch that ceiling a little bit once Steph and Draymond and clay either retire or, you know, decline in production significantly, but it's already clear just based off his physical tools that he can, he can become that guy sooner than a lot of us thought. And so um, I think that Steve's number one objective more than even winning games at times needs to be putting James Wiseman in positions to succeed and to get his confidence up and, and make him consistent. I like that. Um, I will build on it. I like this momentum theme we've got. So I'll aim mine at Wiseman too. Uh, there's this quote right after his debut and he looked great, right? It was like 1906 or something. And essentially what he said was, yeah, I played well, uh, you know, I need to work on my conditioning, but really it doesn't uh, matter because we lost. My New Year's resolution for Wiseman is recognize where this team is right now and the best way to put them where they would like to be. There's a chance that Wiseman thinks that Golden State is still the dynastic team I imagine he watched for the last five years. And because of that, thinks that, you know, they're, they're fighting for a title this year. And the only thing that matters is wins. Well, New Year's resolution, memo to Wiseman, probably not a title team this year. There's going to be a lot more losses than any of us care to anticipate. So if we're looking in this year and the losses do start happening, don't allow that to cloud your view of success. Make sure that you develop because the fastest way to slam that title window back open is through uh, your own experience. Rusty, not to jump you in line here, but just kind of I wanted to build off what Bram said. And one thing that's really interesting with this team is 
this team is literally nothing like the dynastic warriors teams outside of the fact that Steph Curry's still on the team um, and Draymond is still on the team, but he hasn't played yet, but you can feel just covering this team and talking to them every day that there's this shadow that's cast over this entire team because of the success they had over a year ago. Now, a couple years ago. Now, I think one of this team's new year's resolutions needs to be just completely move past what this team used to be. You know, they need to, I'm not saying completely forget it, but don't, don't actively think about it. Don't, don't let it color your perception of this team or, or, or what success looks like. And don't feel any sort of burden from the fact that this team was the best team in, in the NBA for five years, two years ago. This is a totally different team. There's only one player who's been available so far this season who's actually played significant minutes with Steph, and that's Kavon Looney. And so you just need to you need to like stop feeling that burden because especially the young guys I've noticed, like James Wiseman and and uh, Kelly Oubre and those guys, they talk a lot about what this team used to be. And I just don't think that's actually serving anyone well i don't I, I think it's more of a negative than a positive at this point yeah i think that's a really good take um and, and you hear it from kerr oftentimes talking about the defense but i think he's talking about the whole thing is that this group is completely different so it has to create its own identity and while you're you're still thinking about living up to what the team used to be uh, that probably gets in the way of it um now i'm probably going to make this even worse because the next resolution I was going to come up with was going to be for Clay Thompson and Connor you wrote a good story about this about how much Steph still wants Clay to be around the team and if that if I was talking straight to Clay I would say that his resolution should be to get to the Bay Area as soon as possible and to be around this team because um, while Wiseman's vets are going to be Looney and Draymond uh, they got a lot of guards and wings who need a vet a presence like Clay Thompson around just that I love that 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 ability to let things roll off your shoulders that that ability to play hard on defense when you're not getting shots or, or shots aren't going in um, just that ability to to not care what you hear on social media see on social media hear anywhere else read somewhere that um, that none of it matters that Clay Thompson knows exactly who he is and that's what each of these players have to do as the team is making a new identity I saw a quote uh, that was attributed to Kerr and he was talking to Kelly Oubre about the ongoing cold streak. And he said, yes, sometimes Clay likes to have prolonged cold streaks in the beginning of the season so that he can figure out what it feels like to be in the cold streak in an important game. Um, and, you know, any other player, uh, you hear that story, you're like, that's bullshit. It's crazy. You hear it about Clay, it's probably true. And it really underlines what you are saying, Rusty. You know, if, if Clay went there and told that to Ubre, um, and let's let's combine this with a New Year's resolution for Ubre. My New Year's resolution for Ubre is relax, relax. The shots will start falling. But hearing that from me means nothing. Hearing it from Clay Thompson would mean something. You know, a, a guy who has won multiple championships. And if he could come in and say, look, man, I've, I've had terrible cold streaks. It means nothing. The ball will start going in. It would really help 
Ubre. So I like that. Let's uh, let's bring Clay back to the bay. Why is he not here? Is is it because all of his recovery and the medical team is in LA? What what's stopping that from happening? Uh, well, Kerr basically has a policy where if a guy's facing an extended rehab, he is no he's not obligated to be around the team. So it's really up to Clay, and Clay's you know basically based in. Orange County. I know he has, I believe, two homes in the Bay Area, one in SF, one in Oakland. Um, but he likes to spend the majority of his offseason in Orange County. Uh, Dana Point, he's got a boat docked there. He likes he's really into fishing right now. Um, I also believe his his trainer is based out of there. Um, so it might make a little bit more sense from from a recovery standpoint to spend the majority of his time there. But um yeah i mean he if he wanted to be he could be around the team as much as as he wanted to um i i don't think he's necessarily been cleared to travel yet um so i'm not sure he could actually be, have been on this road trip even if he wanted to um but in terms of when they're home he could be around a lot more he wasn't he wasn't around a lot last season and and i know that was definitely something steph expressed to clay when clay got injured again was hey man we we need you around more and it, it it's not it's it's going to be a mutually beneficial thing you know i think you're going to feel better being around us more we the young guys need to get to know you we need to just have your good vibes around us to keep us going so i i think i i in my understanding was that he was really appreciative that steph said that and he's planning to be around more but um i do think that there's an enormous amount of value that comes from just seeing his face every day, especially if you're a new guy to this team and you've never actually played with clay. I mean, there's guys like Eric Pascal who's now in his second year on the team. who's never played a game with clay. And I think just having, having clay around every day reminds you that he is still on this team. He's still getting paid a lot of money. He's going to be back next season and I think, especially when you you might be going through a rough stretch, stretch, it, it's got to feel better knowing like this is a temporary thing. We still have Clay Thompson; he's gonna come back. And even though you might abstractly know that, you know, like you reasonably know like Clay's on the team, unless you're around him on a regular basis, it's easy to like forget that, right? Sure, sure. I think Rusty brought up a, a really apt point there. It's it's fascinating looking at this team, you know, in these first few weeks because you're realizing how different a lot of their roles are. I mean, you're you already we already talked about Andrew Wiggins, um, and then you look at someone like Eric Pascal. He's already faced quite a learning curve himself, and and historically speaking, your rookie year to your to your sophomore year is supposed to be kind of like where that big jump happens. And I actually think he's facing the prospect of having the opposite happen of, of taking a major step back his sophomore year, because, you know, he was in a unique situation last season where even as the number 41 pick, he was often their best offensive player on the floor. And they, they would run the offense through him and give, let him shake and bake in a lot of ISO situations. Um, And now he's in a situation where he's, he's, uh, you know, has to be more of that complimentary guy, has to be more of a part of the motion offense. And then more importantly, has to be above average defensively. He's got some pretty big 
uh, assignments defensively. And Steve Kerr has, who's very, very good at his messaging. Steve Kerr always understands that his players hear everything he says to the media. And he's really good about being careful with choosing his words. Um, And he has gone out of his way to publicly talk about how much Eric Pascal needs to improve defensively, especially as a help side defender. And you saw, especially in those first two games, he was downright awful defensively. Um, I thought he was a little bit better in the past two games, but then offensively, it seems like he's still kind of trying to find his role and it'll be fascinating to me once we see Draymond Green come back, how that affects Pascal, because we have not, it has not been shown yet that Pascal can play with Draymond. Pascal needs to be able to play legitimate small forward minutes to have a significant role going forward on this Warriors team. So at my New Year's resolution for Pascal is learn how to coexist with Draymond, both offensively and defensively, because it could be the difference of him being a foundational piece of this franchise going forward or just being a spare part who eventually gets included in some sort of trade. You bring up a good point there about Pascal too, because you're you're probably right that he probably does have to play uh, with Draymond at some point. I'm not sure exactly how their games complement each other, but I'm kind of interested to see what Pascal, as he's trying to find a role, uh, what what he does is this backup center opportunity because clearly he can score against backup centers in the league. They're not going to guard him at the three point line, and he can drive past them. Um, and his defensive problems are covered up a little bit there. That backup centers around the league, they're not going to just dump it down to him and, and take advantage of, of scoring against Eric Pascal in the post, you know. Um, but that is another huge step to take as a defensive player is then he has to become the middle linebacker of the defense and has to be calling out sets. And, and then you better be good at help side defense. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. He needs to find a new role because you're right. That's a drastic change from what he was asked to do last year to as he's searching for a role now. And, and I'll be interested to see what kind of role he carves out. He played very different roles in his years at Villanova. So he always does find a way to get on the court. I'm just interested to see what he does. Yeah, the the room changed on him, right? If I'm giving him a New Year's resolution, it would be embrace the transition. Uh, Before the pandemic, and we were still allowed to like go to people's houses and hang out, there'd be times where I'd go to a party. um, And let's say I went to someone's house with my wife, it was her friends, and I didn't really know the hosts. There's times I'd come in, it was a room full of people who I didn't really know, but we'd talk for 10, 15 minutes, establish a power dynamic, establish a social back and forth. Maybe we start laughing. And then after we've established that, the hosts who I didn't know finally enter the room. Maybe they were making food, whatever it is. The second they come in, because they know all those people, everything changes in the room, the social dynamics. That's happened with Pascal. You know, he, he came in last year and he was the center point of a team that was flailing. They looked to him for almost everything. Now the hosts are back. The room has changed. Steph is here. We need something entirely different. So what you guys are saying makes sense. He is going to have to make some transitions. He's going to have to make another transition when the other host comes back with Draymond. So yeah, embrace the transition because they are coming. And if you want to help us, this is how. I feel like we hit a lot of bases there, guys, and I, I really appreciate it. It was, it was, uh, I felt like it was a, a very organic, fluid building off each other with all those resolutions. And I feel like a New Year's resolution for the Warriors should be to listen to this podcast and to 
learn from it because they the cohesion at times has not been there. Uh, they have not been playing off each other super well. Um, and I think they need to figure that out. So uh, hopefully they can learn something from uh, three guys who uh, probably are not the most skilled at basketball, at least compared to NBA players. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. Where can our listeners find your stuff, find your podcast and et cetera, uh, if they're silly enough to not already be doing that? I'll uh, let me start by saying, so I'd like to tell you the New Year's resolution for me should be choose happiness. It's not. We all know that I won't do that. Instead, it's don't zoom and drive. Too dangerous. Don't do it. (laughs) Make sure that does not happen. Uh, If you are foolish enough to want to listen to anything else that that, uh, I have to say on our podcast, it is the Warriors Huddle. And you can find it anywhere where podcasts are played. I'm never sure how to say that sentence. Anywhere where podcasts are found, played, whatever it is. But Apple, Spotify, the whole nine yards. Good stuff, Bram. And I agree, Connor. I thought we were on a string defensively during this podcast, which should be an example to everybody in the NBA. I'm sure that uh, all the listeners of this are already subscribers to the San Francisco Chronicle. I'm still old school and like the hard copy, but online. Um, we've got tons of stuff and even extra stuff that's not in the hard copy. Connor's got a, an amazing thing up there looking at all the salary cap issues that the Warriors have and uh, really breaks down everything in, in there. That, that and it's really fun and interactive. So go check out sfchronicle.com as well. Rusty, you're always my personal hype man, which I, which I appreciate. Um, but uh, I guess, you know, one of my pet peeves uh toward this time of year is like when you see someone they're like i'll see you next year wink wink (laughs) nod nod uh and i'm like oh my god but hey i'll see you guys next year oh connor that's one of my pet peeves i hate it when people do that you bastard (laughs) and since you did it i will not see you next year later our thanks to rusty simmons and bram hillsman for joining me on the podcast always enjoy having them Warriors Off Court is a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Support Warriors Off Court in the newsroom that creates it by signing up for a Chronicle membership at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 